You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to Voice Junkie. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Voice Junkie Podcast. This is episode 34. I mean, let's dive right into it. Don't have to get into too many platitudes here. We've had a wonderful and exciting, eventful week of NBA playoff basketball. The NBA Finals is coming to a close. Your boy, Kawhi Leonard, who basically shut it down for the, for the Spurs last season, injured a bruised thigh. He pretty much sat out the whole season. Got shipped out to Canada to play for the Toronto Raptors. And now he's on the verge of not only winning finals MVP, but winning the NBA championship. That is nuts. You can't make it up. It's just one of those things in sports that you always tend to get. You always tend to get these great stories that, you know, most can't even comprehend. No one's seen this coming. You know, I didn't see this coming for damn sure. I didn't see how good this team was. I, I, you know, but in retrospect, if you kind of step away from what's been happening and you kind of put some kind of, some sense into it a little bit, you can kind of understand that. Because, but think about it. What I'm trying to say is, is think about it. The, the Raptors have been the top one or two teams in the East for like the last few seasons. They just always get their ass handed to them by LeBron James for whatever reason. So to see them pretty much in an identical situation that they've been in in the past few seasons, but with the caveat of having uh, an elite all-star player MVP candidate like Kawhi Leonard, things changed. And now you're seeing what an elite player like Kawhi Leonard could do for a team like that who's been on the cusp for the last few seasons. And that's win a championship. And they're on the verge of winning a championship, knocking off Steph Curry's Golden State Warriors. I mean, there's just so many different things to think about. First and foremost, let's put this thing to rest. Let's put this 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 theory to rest about the Golden State Warriors being the greatest team to ever play. Horseshit. That's horseshit. You remember those conversations we would have and hear from, you know, Golden State Warriors fans about or analysts who are, you know, dick riding the Golden State Warriors? We would always hear like, oh, this team is great. This team would have beat those 98 or what was it? The 96, 97 Bulls. They would have beat that team. And, and you know, there's just more skilled players in today's game and blah, blah, blah. And the three-point shot and all this other, you know, rah, rah, rah. They're going to go down and they're going to lose to a Raptors team that nobody expects to win this goddamn series. If they're that great of a team, because they're essentially the same team they were for at least the past few seasons. Yeah, their bench is a little weak, but they got the same core players playing there. There's no Kevin Durant. It's pretty much the same core players. And they're going to lose, potentially, in five games. Don't give me this bull crap that the Bulls is not a better team than this this Warriors team. Because right now, it shows that that team is light years better than this Warriors team. We, I think we've probably overrated how great the Warriors have been in this in this this whole era because now just put everything in its perspective Kevin Durant came and saved the Warriors they've won the last two championships because largely because of Kevin Durant Kevin Durant was the finals MVP two of the last championships they brought him in after they dropped 
a series to LeBron when they were up three games to one. So if they're this great team, why aren't they great without Kevin Durant? They won their first championship without Kevin Durant, but guess what? They won that championship against LeBron. LeBron was by himself. He had no Kevin Love. He had no Kyrie Irving. And he still almost beat the, uh, the Warriors. He was up two games to one against the Warriors by himself. And he had an opportunity to go up three games to one in game four in his own, in his home court in Cleveland. And, you know, a couple things happened. He dished the ball out to Kyle Korver in the corner to shoot a three. You know, the rest of the history. And it didn't work out. And then the Warriors came roaring back and took control of that series. But that, this same team was down to LeBron James in that 2015 Finals, two games to one, without Kyrie and without Kevin Love. Let me stress that again. Then we fast forward and we get back to the, you know, the championship that they lost to LeBron, and, and LeBron was down three games to one and beat them. And then now you're seeing what's happening with this team, uh, with the Raptors. With no Kevin Durant. All of these scenarios that I'm giving you, Kevin Durant is not on the floor playing. So how real, how great is this team really? You know, like I'm not saying that they're not an all-time great team, but I'm saying that they're not the greatest team because the stats prove it. And what, I mean, it shows. This finals, all of these finals, if you break them down without Kevin Durant, they're not very, you know, dominant. And it's showing. So don't give me this crap. This night, that 96-97 Bulls would have wiped the floor with this Golden State Warriors team. Not this one. You could give me 2015. You can give me 2016, whatever. They would have wiped the floor with that team. I said it then and I'll say it now. Yes, I'm a little biased. I'm a Bulls fan. I grew up rooting for the Bulls because I'm an ardent Michael Jordan fan. But putting my bias aside, just compare the two teams. You got Ron Harper on the perimeter, you got Scottie Pippen on the perimeter, and you got uh, Michael Jordan on the perimeter. All defensive team players. That team locked guys up. And I didn't even mention Dennis Rodman. That team locked guys up. They would have locked up that goddamn Warriors team. That backcourt would have got locked up. Because what do you have? You would have had Ron Harper switching on uh, Steph. You would have had, you know, Michael switching on Steph. You would have had uh, Pippen guarding uh, 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 Clay Thompson, switching Michael on Clay Thompson every now and then. And you would have had Rodman guarding um, Draymond Green. Draymond wouldn't have got off in that series, not with Rodman guarding him. So it's just, I'm just, it's just, it's just good to see that my bias was correct. The Bulls were a better team. But I digress. Let's go on into, you know, back into the series and what's going on. The Warriors are in trouble. And I, I seen that they were in trouble after game one. I, it just, the flow that the Raptors are playing with is just crazy, man. They're, they're hitting every, they hit all their shots. I, this They're probably the greatest playoff free throw shooting team I've ever seen. These guys do not miss from the line. It's nuts. I haven't checked the stats, but they got to be shooting like 90% from the free throw line. At least 90 plus percent. Like these guys are like, assassins at the free throw line nobody misses it's it's unbelievable to me i've never seen a, this type of free throw shooting in a playoffs especially in a finals like it, it's pretty impressive but to see them down is is very interesting i mean 
it's it's just one of those things. It reminds me when Detroit put out the the uh, the defending champion Lakers. I think it was the two thousand and four series when you know Detroit captured their first championship. It reminds me of this series where you see that the dynasty that once was a dynasty is coming to an end, and that's what happened with those Lakers. That dynasty came to an end after they lost against the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Shaq got shipped out of town. A couple guys retired, you know, Gary Payton and Carl Malone and I believe Rick Fox or Robert Ory ended up leaving. And, you know, it was just really the end of a dynasty. You know, uh, it, it was just never the same again for L.A. for a few years. And this seems to be something similar to what the Golden State Warriors are probably going to end up going through as as they end up losing this series, if they do lose the series. And I, I'll be stunned if they come back down 3-1. Like, they just look like an inferior team. They do not look like the better team. They just don't. And they just don't have the bench. They don't have the, you know, even the starting five is out playing. A Toronto starting five is out playing uh, the, the uh, Warriors starting five. They have been out playing them all series. So, it just looks like that scenario. I, I just see 2004 all over this series. And it's interesting to see how what's going to happen after this season. You know, once Durant leaves, because everyone in the league and outside of the league who speculates on trades and et cetera, believe that Kevin Durant's out of there. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to this Warriors team going forward and how they rebound because the league is catching up to them. And that's just what happens in professional sports. You know, teams get better and you, you get a new, you know, you get a new sheriff in town after a while, you know. But just to pivot a little bit, game three, something interesting happened. Uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z showed up to the game. Let's just say this. The Beehive needs to chill out. They need to chill the fuck out. They started to attack the owner's wife because, you know, Beyonce seemed to be uh, annoyed in some photo that was taken. Well, let me, let me give you a quick backstory of what happened. So Jay-Z, Beyonce show up to game three. They're sitting courtside. This is in Golden State. Um, Jay-Z and Beyonce, you know, looked like they were having a good time, et cetera, et cetera. Then there was this woman that was sitting next to Beyonce on her left shoulder, and she would come in and talk to Jay, or she was saying something to Jay, and Beyonce had this, you know, interesting look on her face. Who knows why she gave that reaction, you know, because we don't know what was said, and cameras don't always capture every single moment. To make a long story short, or less short, or less long, uh, the woman that got attacked by the Beehive is her name is Nicole Caron, and she's the wife of you know of one of the owners of the Golden State Warriors. So she basically said, "Look, you know, I, I was just looking out for them. I've done things with them before. They've gone to games in the past, so there is a past relationship." She was saying, "Look." All I was trying to do is is get them some drinks. <laughs> I was just trying to be a, a you know, I'm, I'm going to read the quote here. Uh, she said, last night, she said she asked if they wanted drinks. Beyonce asked for water. Um, and Karan says, Jay-Z asked for a vodka soda. She asked if he wanted lime with that. But it was loud in the Oracle Stadium, and she couldn't, he, he, uh, she couldn't hear. So she leaned over. That's where the photos of Beyonce looking kind of peeved uh, came from. 
And also, Karan says she then went to go get those drinks. She got the drinks, and uh, there was no hostility. She was saying, I was trying to be a good hostess. I've never experienced cyberbullying like this. I can't believe our players go through this, that kids go through this, etc. So she's she was getting like hammered online for no reason because the beehive assumed that their queen was being inconvenienced. Like, come on, guys. You know, y'all need a fucking life. Y'all need a life. There's a lot of people in these little cliques, the beehive, uh, the Barbie Barbie, the Barbs, all these, you know, crews. I don't even know Cardi B's crew's name. All these crews, a lot of the people in those crews don't have a fucking life. They don't have a life. They just don't have a life. They don't. They, you know, a lot of them are probably single and just don't have nothing else to look forward to but to get in somebody else's business and try to bully on other people. It's ridiculous. It's sad. It's pathetic. I mean, it doesn't put Beyonce in the most positive of lights, even though she doesn't have anything to do with it. But her group of people, her fans, indirectly, you know, reflect on her. It, it, all of what they do reflects on her. It's no different than having an entourage and having one bad seed in that entourage get in trouble. It all reflects on you, ultimately. And and, and um, I want to read something else here. Uh, let me see here. I'm trying to pull up. So the publicist, Beyonce's publicist, she came out and tried to, you know, calm down the beehive. She says, I'm looking back today at the start of the um, On the Run Tour 2. One year ago, it was a place of joy, imaginable entertainment from two of the best performers in the world, and a place of love. Every single day on that tour, I saw love, which is why I also want to speak here to the beautiful beehive. I know your love runs deep, but that love has to be given to every human. It will bring no joy to the person you love so much if you spew hate in her name. We love you. So that was very classy for Beyonce to have her publicist come out and speak to these psychopaths that reside in the beehive and just say, yo, you need to just chill out. You know, <laughs> you guys are just, when you just get to the point where you're just overreacting over something you know nothing about, then that's a problem. You need to just chill out, go sit down somewhere, relax, and enjoy your life. It's just sad, man. These, these, these crews, these, these groups of people just have this, this self-righteousness, this, this, unbelievable desire to just be noticed and to be like i don't know like some kind of justice to the world like it's like no man y'all need to just chill out everybody needs to chill out relax enjoy the lives and mind their goddamn business that's the problem with this world today everybody wants to be in everybody's business not everybody but there's people that want to be in everybody's business and and make decisions based on no facts no details. Just all reactionary. Everything we do nowadays is reactionary. And it's just sad. And it sucks that, that um the the owner of the team had to go through that. I mean her the owner's wife had to go through that because now she kinda she had to it was so bad she had to basically delete her Instagram. Because she was getting attacked for no reason. She was getting attacked for being a good hostess to Beyonce and Jay Z. Come on. Grow the fuck up, guys. Get a life. Speaking of Jay-Z, let's dive right into his finances, shall we? Now, usually I'm not the one that's trying to con another man's pockets, but since it was widely spread all over the internet, 
all the major news sites were talking about it. I'm obligated to talk about it. Plus, Jay-Z is one of my favorite artists, so it is somewhat newsworthy to bring up the subject matter. Let's jump straight into his wealth. He has officially, according to Forbes, become the first hip-hop billionaire. So apparently Forbes, they do this, this weird way of how they kind of guesstimate what a person's net worth is. So they try to decipher that through their investments. So the way they broke it down was by all his investments and certain things that he's invested over over the years. And it, they broke it down in this. So first of all, let me just read out what I have here. So apparently he ended up winning or he ended up investing in something in Uber. So he has like about 70 plus million Uber investments. Um, in a previous episode of the Voice Junkie podcast, I actually mentioned Beyonce having an investment in Uber. So they must have invested in Uber around the same time. So that's interesting. They do investments together. I mean, of course they would do investments together. They seem to do all business together in certain cases. But also, what I found the most interesting out of it is that Almost half of his net worth comes in alcohol. So, Ace of Spade, the company that he bought, you know, the fancy champagne company that he bought with the little Ace of Spade logos, uh, card logos all over the bottles. I'm not rich enough to even taste that. So, don't ask me how it tastes. But, he owns that and apparently it's worth north of $300 million. Wow. So he bought Ace of Spade in 2006, and from that point on, he's hyped the brand over all his music and just kind of putting it out there, putting the Ace of Spade brand in 4040 Club. He's done all the due diligence as far as how you build a brand and a product, and now it's pretty much paid off. It's worth north of $300 million. Now, you fast forward to his investment in Doucet, the cognac that everybody loves to drink uh, nowadays it's like the new thing it's completely taken over i mean henny is a thing of the past um it's it, if you compare the two hennessy is like bum juice compared to Doucet. if you ever tasted it trust me it's no comparison but that's also worth of a hundred million dollars so you compare the two you're looking over 400 million dollars just in alcohol <laughs> that's crazy now you go to his music catalog his music catalogs, eh, it's worth a lot, but not as much as like a Mariah Carey or even a Beyonce for that matter. His music catalog, since he owns all of his masters, which is rare in itself for any artist to own their masters, his net worth as far as his music catalog is $75 million. And then you put that in perspective with his investments in Rock Nation and Live Nation. Now you get yourself up to around a billion dollars. I mean, it's impressive, man. We all knew that Jay was on this trajectory to get to the billion-dollar mark. And to see him finally get to that mark is very interesting. I mean, it's cool because it leads a path to everyone else, not just in the hip-hop community, but it shows that a person like him, who came from similar backgrounds like us, who used to be out there hustling, selling drugs, and getting into all this other street shit, can rise above that and become a billionaire. And it's just a cool story to see, you know. So I know Diddy is probably, you know, motivated from this. And I'm sure he'll be the next guy uh, to come up and make that official billion dollar mark. 
And um, it's just very interesting. And I have to give a shout out to Rihanna too. Rihanna had, you know, a couple reports came out that Rihanna's net worth has skyrocketed up to $600 million because of her clothing line. That is insane. And I don't even think Beyonce, I don't even think Rihanna is even 30 years old yet. Like, that's insane, man, the wealth that she's been able to accumulate in such a short period of time. But, hey, I'm all for it when it comes to black people, people of color coming up in the world and being very successful in the financial markets. And hey, hopefully more of them will come because then things can change on a corporate level far as who makes the decisions. So it'll be very interesting to see who else comes up and grabs that brass ring and makes that next billion dollars.